0: good morning um my name is april Giuliano. i am an anchor here at ocean city church Um, please stand for the reading of god's word Uh, we will be uh, reading from matthew chapter 28 verses 1 through 11. after the sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week mary magdalene and the other mary went to look at the tomb there was a violent earthquake Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. Thank you. Maybe may be seated.
1: All right. Well, thanks be to God for the beauty and the power of his word. That's a one of the best narratives uh, that you'll ever read, best story ever told. Man, you guys look great. It's fantastic. Yeah, this reminds me of the old days. Uh, some of you guys uh, that know me, uh, I started my ministry days at River City Church. I don't know if we've got any River City people that have, you know, gone to the dark side over here at the beach. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, back in the old days, we were in the city rescue mission, and we would pack it out. so I see all the people in the standing room only and I promise like dan said i won't I will not preach two hours hour and forty five is usually my max um, but we, the, the room would get so full that people would be so close like you guys are right now, and everybody would be up front. It was super fun. The balcony would, would be jammed with people, and the building literally shook, and you thought, okay, these people are going to go to heaven a lot faster than most people on earth because that balcony is coming down. Uh, we better preach Jesus really quick. Um, but we, used to, we would have people up all the way in the front, and there was this lady. She was, about, she was in her you know, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, her name was Mary, and she used to be in the front row, and I was all she, it, was, we were, it was loud, just like it is here. And I'm, I'm, I'd ask her, I was like, why are you, you're, you're always up front, and you seem to be, you know, the music's loud. And she would wear sunglasses in the front row and just sit there like this, and just kind of let it, you know, the music just blow her hair back, and she loved it. Um, and we, had, we used to have kids' songs, and it was super chaotic at the beginning, like every started every Sunday with kids' songs, which I loved. I tried to bring it back here, but they said no. Um, and we'd have a bag of, like, instruments uh, you know, for the kids and Mary would, the 75, 85 year old lady would steal the tambourine and then she'd break that bad boy out and worship. And we finally had to hide it from her. Um, and, and I, I say that, you know, about the full room is I, you have to ask the question, um, you know, why are people in here? Like, and I know we're here for Resurrection Sunday, it's Easter. I mean, it's this thing that we do, but, um, to get under the surface and under the layers of what it is that we're here for and why, you know, why would we be here for any other reason than the story is true? Now, the reality is, is in a room like this and, and all over this city and all over the world, there's people in rooms for other reasons. Uh, maybe it's, you know, mom brought you and this is the time she says, look, you're wearing pink and you're coming to church with me today, and that's why you're here. But, you know, all kidding aside, we, we there, there's a reason that the room is full today, and it's the story of resurrection. there's, there's there, there may be people that are here that are like, okay, this is just a cultural thing that we do, but it started somewhere, and it started a long time ago, and the reality is is there's, there's a whole lot of people today, and there was a whole lot of people over the centuries and over the last 2,000 years that... They believe this unbelievable story that can sometimes feel like folklore, even when it's being read, that somebody, namely the Son of God, God himself, came back from the dead by the power of God was raised to life. And when you read the story and you, and you get into the, the narrative of the earthquake and then an angel that looks like lightning showing up on the scene and greeting two ladies that were just coming to the tomb because Jesus was rushed into the tomb early Uh, Because it was Passover and they couldn't pack him in spices properly when they when they put him in the tomb, and then they run into an angel who's there. The stones rolled away, two thousand to four thousand pound stone, and he rolls it away and sits on it. I I just you don't make these like this is not something you would just write in there and go okay we're trying to fabricate a story we'll do a we'll do a a lightning angel, and then we're gonna have him sit on the stone. And I'm always thinking how was he there? You know, was it the thinker? You know, what what was he doing on the stone? Uh, But the scene was crazy. But, but the angel rolls away the stone and he says to the women, do not be, do not be afraid. And it, may, it makes me think in the moment as they see the stone being rolled away. And we, we often come e- even thinking, you know, well, yeah, he, he rolled the stone away so that Jesus could, could get out. You know, he had to roll the stone away. Jesus was resurrected. He's in there going, hey, let me out. I'm up. You know, but no, Jesus later in, in these, these passages, he's walking through walls he didn't need the angel to roll away the stone. This is God himself that by the power of God came back from the dead. He rolled the stone away, not so that Jesus could get out, but that we would see in and see exactly what God has done for you and me, that he's defeated death for all time. And he says to them when he, when he sees him, he says, Don't be afraid. Can you imagine the scene? For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see, you hear it? Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. And of course, you. What, what, what are you going to do? You're going to tell everybody. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. So not only has he risen, but he's going to be around for a little while. You're going to see him. He says, now I've told you. He's like, now I've done my job. Heading back, right? So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. They ran to tell the disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. And Jesus... It says, greetings. And they came to him. And of course, they, they grabbed his feet and worshiped him. I mean, this is, this is a, a person that they had, they had followed around for you know, the better part of two and a half to three and a half years. And, and he treated them with dignity in a culture that didn't treat women with dignity. He, he loved them in a way. He, he, he invited them in not to, not to be just somebody attached to a ministry, but to be his friend and confidant. And they loved him, and they also revered him and knew that he was God. And Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there you'll, you'll see me. Now, the, the story and the, the narrative of resurrection is just an incredible one. And, you know, if, if it is true that we're here because somebody was raised from the dead, I mean, I, I, I know that there's people that are thinking, okay, maybe, maybe not, um, but when you look at the evidence for resurrection, and I'm, I usually get into this in depth, but I'm not going to because I want to move to something different this morning. But the evidence for re- resurrection and the evidence for Jesus' existence and walking on planet Earth is pretty great. In fact, there's more evidence that Jesus walked on planet Earth than Julius Caesar. But then you go through the, the idea that this crucifixion and, and then this resurrection took place in, in Jerusalem and that this whole thing broke out in Jerusalem, that there was just a small group of people, then there was 3,000, then there was 5,000, then there was 25,000 people that were claiming resurrection. I mean, you've got the most, arguably one of the most powerful empires of all time that, that is in play, not wanting any talk of resurrection. They, they, they squashed every rebellion with ease. And then you've got the Jews who, who weren't really a, a powerhouse that are going to create some sort of rebellion, but they, they knew better than to, to let anything break out. So they did everything that they could. They put their best men in place. Uh, these Roman soldiers, these Roman guards, these centurions were, were like, uh, you know, Navy SEALs. These are the guys that aren't going to, don't pass out for anything. But yet they dropped like, like dead men. They did everything they could to to make sure that they could retain the bones of Jesus so that they could say, hey, there was no resurrection. We have his body, we have his bones. They did everything that they could. But still, today, there's never been any recovery of the bones of Jesus. And this, this idea of resurrection that we say, with everything that we have as followers of Jesus that's true, has, there's, there's no evidence against it. You can go, there's so many books that you can read. There's so many things that you can dig into to investigate the resurrection. In fact, you look at the, the, the facts that exist. One of the, the facts that, that can shake us all to the core is that 11 of the 12 of his most inside followers, the disciples, went to their death proclaiming resurrection. Prior to the resurrection, they were nervous, they were in hiding. They were denying him, Peter. They they were wondering what's going on. They thought all hope was lost. And then post-resurrection, boldness, no fear, going to their death, proclaiming the resurrection. Because as Peter said, where else would they go? What else would they proclaim? Because they knew that it was true. When When I think about 11 of the 12 disciples going to their death, proclaiming the validity of the resurrection, and they would have known that it was a hoax. And I look at this passage, it makes me think of two things, gambling and the Easter bunny. Now, before you regret coming here, <laughs> let me explain. When you, when you look at this, this scene, it, it makes me think of, of these two things. One, thinking of the Easter bunny, there is this This idiom, and an idiom is when you've got a group of words that mean one thing when you separate them, but you put them all together and they mean something altogether different. We have this idiom called put all one's eggs in one basket. And what are we not supposed to do if we are an investment banker or we're somebody that's in investments or we manage hedge funds? Are we supposed to put all of our eggs in one basket? No, we don't put all our eggs in one basket, do we? There's your Easter bunny. But it's also a lot like when you when you think about investment, I mean, just even thinking about this idea of putting all your eggs in one basket. I think you, what you what you understand with the disciples and what you understand with the people that, that surrounded Jesus, that continued to carry his name so that we here in Jacksonville Beach are hearing it even today is that they did put all of their eggs in one basket. They, they, they put everything in one place. And we only do that if we're sure. Right. I mean, those are the type of investments. If we would have known that, you know, uh, the $200,000 houses that were on 4th uh, Avenue and, you know, 7th Avenue North and all around here were, you know, going to eventually be 700, we probably would have bought a few in 2015, 2016, and 2017. The Jack's Beach people know what I'm talking about because now they're worth a little bit more. But we didn't, we didn't know. I, I did a little calculation. <laughs> if it, when you, we talk about investment and in knowing, when, you, when it's a sure thing. If I had known, like I've spent over the, I've bought, I figured out, I went back till 2008, I've bought around seven and a half iPhones. I say half, but you know what I mean, you drop a few. <laughs> the money, if, if I would have spent, instead of, instead of purchase from Apple, um, their products, if I would have taken all of the money that I had spent on the iPhone over the years and I had invested it at the proper time, I would have made, at this point, now, I'm talking about being in early. If I'd have taken that cash, that amount of money, because iPhones, I mean, the good ones, they're a thousand bucks, right? Um, $11.7 million. Yeah, we spend money in the wrong places. But, but it's because we don't know. It's because we're, we're told in, in our world, don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Diversify. Make sure. Put a little here. Put a little here. Put a little here. Put a little here. We're not, we're not, we're not going to put it all in one place. And when it comes to gambling, you know, it, it just it made me instantly think of of what it looks like and, and, and how somebody's supposed to gamble. My my friend uh, Darren Weinger taught my kids to gamble, um, which is why he definitely needs Jesus. Him and Kenny Rogers might not go to heaven. Um, I'm kidding. Um, he's, a great, he's a great guy. I see him right back there. He's actually helping people find seats. He's a, he's a good dude. But we do vacations together. And If you ask Darren, like, how, and if you're playing Texas Hold'em, how many times does a good, a good poker player fold before the betting starts? I mean, anybody knows? Just throw out the number. I, I heard somebody call. See, yeah, you, you definitely need when the altar call happens <laughs> coming forward. of the time. 75, why? Because of the odds, because of the risk, because you're waiting for what? You're waiting for the cards, you're waiting for the good hand, you're waiting for the pocket aces, you're waiting for something to come. And even with the pocket aces, what's the danger, Darren? Second best hand, right? That pocket aces, that might be the second best hand. Somebody might clean you out. They might might take you down. 75% of the time. And here we've got, you know, this, these, these moments, I mean, if you ever watched the World Series of poker, you ever see that? where all of a sudden, what happens? The guys, you know, the sunglasses come off, very confident, right? I mean, like $22 million on the line. People are, this is, it's crazy. And, and all of a sudden, all of the chips go in. Everything goes in. And and I say that because what we see in a resurrection is when a resurrection happens, when you draw a resurrection, when you're dealt a resurrection, you go all in. When somebody comes comes back from the dead, everybody says, well, there's where I'm going to put all my chips. There's where all the eggs, they're going in that basket because we've got a resurrection. It beats everything. The house thinks, okay, you know, we're here. We're the casino. Death is the best card. Once we've got death, once we've put him down, he's not coming back oh, guess what? There's a royal flush and it's called the resurrection and it beats the house every time. And Jesus came back from the dead. Tim Keller says it this way. I love it. He says, he says that if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any, anything of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead from the dead. There's no other option. If that's not true, then it doesn't matter. The Apostle Paul would say if Christ has been raised, then our preaching is futile. Your faith is worthless. Without resurrection, there's no people lined up against the walls in a room celebrating Easter. At least there shouldn't be this many years after. But what I'm proclaiming is that it's, that it's real. You live in a world that tells you to diversify, that tells you to, to figure out what are the things that you can add to your life. Let's figure out what, what are those things that will, will give me life while I'm here on planet Earth. Don't, don't put it all in one place. Don't, don't hedge all your bets in, in one direction. Don't, don't put it all here. Well, the gospel's the opposite. And the reason is because what Jesus dealt the world was forgiveness of sins. With his blood poured out. The great exchange. In he took, he took all of the stuff that you had that condemned you. And he took it to the cross. And he brought it into the grave. Just like Abby said when we were singing. And defeated sin and death for all time. Reuniting the people by faith. The people that have followed Jesus by faith. Not by works. Not by anything that you bring to the table with the creator that created you, the reason that you exist and you live on planet earth. Nothing beats a resurrection. I think about the, the parable of the treasure in the field in this, in this same chapter, in, in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is, is throwing this parable out and nobody knows what he's talking about. They're, they're, they're confused. They're like, hey, there's a, there's a guy. He finds this treasure in a field. As soon as he sees what it is, guess what he does? He goes to the pawn shop, sells everything that he has takes all of that money and says, I want to buy that field. Why? Because he's putting all of his everything into what Jesus says is the kingdom of God. And what's going to be the trump card for everything? The resurrection. Why is is he going to be able to do that? What what does he see when he sees the field? He sees a man come back from the dead. Because the one thing that, that we don't have, the one thing that we can't buy is life. We're all headed there. There's nobody in this room that's not, not battling either consciously or subconsciously. Ernest Becker says we all are denying death. Like that's what we do day in, day out. We figure out a way to not go into some psychosis because crazy, this life is short and all of us are headed towards the grave. But here comes Jesus saying this resurrection, this resurrection is something that, that you can have too. You can have this resurrection life Nothing beats the resurrection. You know, I, I remember my, uh, my wife's grandmother. And we called her Go Go. Y'all called her Go Go because she would not stop going until um, so she didn't, right? I mean, but she was, she was an incredible, she loved Jesus, like with everything that she had. She was also the most frugal, cheapest person I've ever met in my life. Uh, she cut paper plates in half and said, Look, you don't need the whole plate. Um, she would like a penny would be on the ground. We'd be walking into the grocery store and there'd be a penny like buried into the asphalt. She'd be bent over picking that thing out, you know, trying to get it out. Ooh, a penny, You know, but I remember at her funeral, I spoke and she, she, you know, I said, look, there's, there's three questions that every philosopher, scientist, we all, that, that just aren't answered. We spend our lives at people all of time. We've been wondering, you know, where do we come from? You know, how in the world do you know, you know, 23.5 tilt on the axis of planet Earth, we're floating out here with nothing else, you know, pale blue dots suspended on a sunbeam, Carl Sagan says. Like, this is a miracle of miracles that we're all here. Where do we come from? And then, you know, why are we here? What are we doing? What's the purpose of a bunch of people running around on planet Earth and where are we going? I mean, these are the things that people, the most, the smartest people on planet Earth have molded over their entire lives. Their entire lives. You know, philosophers, scientists, Harvard, you know, people, doctorates, you know, that's, that's their life's work. Studying these things, trying to figure out these things, trying to get a clue as to, to what all, you know, what's, what's happened. And here's this woman. She barely had an eighth grade education. And she knows the answers to all three. She knows where she came from. She knew why she was here to glorify Jesus with everything she had. And she knew where she was going when she died. And I just thought, what a powerful, powerful testimony. Because she knew there was a resurrection. And she knew that she could take part in this resurrection. And I don't know where where you fall in this whole gospel story and and where you've come from. And maybe you've come from different places. But this is where the the gambling illustration really, really kind of falls apart. And the extraordinary part of the gospel begins, and it's scandalous. And it's, it's this. We don't really bring anything to the table. When we, when we, when we pull up to the poker table, there's no we don't come with the, the, the chips. We're not the ones that are bringing the things to the table to, to lay it all down, to, to put it all in. We can't. You know, years ago, I was, uh, I was leading worship at River City Church, same church. Crazy Sunday. It usually was. It was always packed in there because it was a small little chapel. And, you know, we had had the same transitions we have here. Like Dan came up and hosted, you know, and and welcomed you guys in uh, after worship was done. And all that's timed really well. I was singing this song uh, called Majesty by Delirious. Anybody? Delirious fans back in the day? Yeah. It tells you how long ago that was. Um, And, you know, it's Mm -hmm. majesty, majesty. Your grace has found me just as I am. Empty-handed but alive in your hands. So I was at the end of the song, and Antley, who's the pastor there, was the host that that Sunday. He just disappeared. So we're at the end of this deal, and I'm telling you, I sang that chorus (laughs) five million times. And, I, and we, we, you have signals when you're up here and you're leading worship and you tell them the drummer, like, hey, we're going back in again. You would pull your leg up, you know, you, you pull your stock of your guitar out when you, it's time to get out. I was like, here we go again, you know, pull the leg up. Your grace has found me just as I am. I changed the melody a few times. I was like, Hee! you know, I got up there and did a few things that I probably shouldn't have. Um, and saying it over and over and over again, and, and uh, afterwards I, he, he was laughing so hard he thought it was the funniest thing ever. He goes, "I just want to see kind of how you would pivot, you know, in the moment." As I was outside, looking in the chaffle, watching you kind of do your thing, it was great. Um, but he said at the end of it, he said, "There was." He said, "I just knew that people needed to hear." He goes, "As, as annoying as it was, people needed to hear. Your grace has found me just as I am. I'm empty-handed." Don't bring anything to the table, but yet I'm alive in your hands. That is the the hope of today, the the resurrection life, that we don't come with our our good works. You don't come to the table saying, what is it that I do? How do I go all in with Jesus? How do I do all the stuff? Well, the invitation today is that you go to, he's inviting you to the table with nothing. He's like, come on and play. You you don't have anything. I've I've, I've paid it all. I brought everything that needs to be put into the table. I gave everything, my hope, my very life, my very blood, so that that you could be at the table. So that you could go all in. So that you could buy the treasure in the field. You didn't have anything to sell at the pawn shop to buy the the treasure. I've brought everything that, that needs to be brought to the table. So I want us all to stand with the rest of the people that are already standing. That's right. And we're going to we're going to respond and we're going to we're going to sing. And I know all over the room. I mean, I have so so many things in in my in my mind, but I think it's my my flesh, you know, wanting to kind of move in a certain direction. But as as we sing, God just kind of told me, just as we sing, there's there's people that you. It is your moment to 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 basically say, I'm done. Like I'm, and this is this is this is the beauty of going all in. Going all in in the kingdom of God is surrendering and saying, I have nothing, and I need you. That's it. Putting your life, saying, I believe you. I believe what you've done. I know I need to be reconnected to the king of the universe, the one that created me. I've been scrambling. I thought I had a you know, royal flush. I thought I had a full house. I thought I, I've, I've, I've done everything there is. I thought I've come to the table with enough, and it's never been enough. And you're done. You're just like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm done. So while this song's playing, while you're singing, while the band is playing, this is the moment where in your heart and in your mind that you surrender your life to Jesus. That you come to the table empty-handed with him. It's the most beautiful thing. The people that are on this stage and the people that, that, that invited you in today, we, we don't do this for because it's, you make a lot of money doing it. We do it because we believe it with everything that we have that Jesus is alive from the dead. And the implications of that is that you can be alive from the dead. Let's pray. God, we love you. We love who you are. We love what you do for us. We love that you carry us in times and in places that we can't even possibly imagine. Just lead our hearts to a place of surrender. In Jesus' name.